0: All right, now you can tell your funny story. I am corn. for you.
1: Josh, Star, and Ben. Three founders. Three's Company. Cerberus. Blind Mice. Hockey Periods. Triangles. Third Eye Blind. Podium Finishes. Tricycle. Founder Quest. Illuminati.
0: I loved to be using that head so much in the 90s.
1: Yeah, it was awesome.
0: I was prepared not to like it because all I heard was like everybody talking about how stupid it was. And then I watched it and I was like, this is amazing. Like this is just, you know, my brand. I, I was like the target demographic. Exactly. Like I was, um, I was like, I don't know, 16, 17. Yep. yep. That was
2: a great show. There was some picture, I don't remember who it was. It was uh, Josh Hawley. And I can't remember who the other person was, but they had them like as Beavis and Butthead. They put the, they did a montage, had the two in a picture together. And it was pretty,
1: pretty funny.
0: I kind of feel like the children and their deep fried memes are like the spiritual successor to the spiritual child of Beavis and Butthead. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Could be, yeah.
0: No doubt. Because Beavis and Butthead were pretty deep fried. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is just all about giving, we all live in the Pacific Northwest, and this this podcast is going to be all about giving our readers, I know, what does it feel like, a sense of what it feels like to, to live in the Pacific Northwest? Because I've got a guy chainsawing right outside my window. They've got a wood chipper going. And it's just, it's an extremely Pacific Northwest thing. You know, I've lived all over the country and I've never lived in a place where about, about a third of the time you can hear a wood chipper in the background in a residential neighborhood.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. I, think, I think part of that is due to the trend here that I haven't seen anywhere else. Of allowing like ninety foot cedar trees to grow right next to the houses, right? <laughs> and so, and so at some point, someone's like, you know what, we probably should
1: take that down. And, Spe- yeah. and keep that over and over again in every neighborhood. And Speaking of, I have some chainsaw work to do, like right after this podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> we had a, we do live in like a grove of <laughs> of cedar trees, and one of them fell in my backyard and took out my fence the other week. So oh, um, no. we've been, I've been kind of working on that slowly that's good (laughs) you're gonna be all set for firewood this winter then yeah yeah for sure i've been set for firewood. Moved in here like (laughs) trees fall like every year it seems
0: one thing i learned when i started permitting process for my backyard office is that seattle has a concept of i forget what exactly it's called like but it's like It's like significant trees or like Important trees. Mm-hmm. Like, there's an official designation mm-hmm. for if a tree is like worth living or if you can just kill it with impunity.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Kirkland is pretty pretty uptight about that whole tree thing as well. I f- in fact, apparently Kirkland is like Tree City USA. But you know, there might be I don't know five thousand of those in the country. But anyway, like, I for some reason the people that owned my house before me, or maybe the people that owned the house before them, decided to plant a nice maple. Right close to the driveway and that maple over its lifetime of course grew and grew and its roots grew and grew under the driveway and heading towards the foundation and I'm like, I've got to take this tree out the city of Kirkland was not terribly happy with the idea of me taking out this tree that yeah had that designation I don't know what they call it substantial mm. tree or or something but uh, yeah we Special. actually yeah we Legacy actually have tree. a uh, yeah, we have a policy in, in Kirkland, like you can only remove two trees per year from your property. You have to get special permission if the tree has a particular diameter or trunk, like you know if it's been around long enough, kind of thing. So
0: oh yeah, yeah, it's called the the the, the absolute unit de- designation.
2: So, so I had to actually since I sent like a Google Earth view of my of my house, my lot, and I had to circle the tree, and you know get permits to be able to remove uh, it. So, so what you're, you're saying, like, sorry, sir, that tree is a chomp. <laughs> <can't do> that. <laughs> <laughs> that? That big
0: boy's an absolute unit. You can't, you can't just cut him down.
1: So, so Ben, what, what's it like living under uh, tyranny?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, and then the, uh, the tree removal service that, cause I didn't want to do it myself. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that manly. They came out and the contract was like, you know, if if you get sued by the city, then it's all you basically, like they disclaim any, any liability of getting in trouble with the law.
1: Do, do <laughs> they oh, have like funny. tree lawyers or
2: <laughs> like, like, who do you hire? The, tre- <laughs> the tree police, they go out every year and they, they look for the trees yeah. gone missing.
0: <laughs> well, actually I did like when I was permitting my, um, my shed or my office, I call it the shed, but it's actually a pretty nice <laughs> office at this point. Like I was originally going to have it on the other side of the lot, but that was too close to the roots of this this special tree, mm. and which is good. I don't want to like kill the tree. So I'm yeah. glad that they told me that. I don't care what side I build it on. But there, there are actually tree lawyers and tree laws. And like, it's a whole big deal with <laughs> I mean, forestry like... because um, <laughs> uh, let me tell you a little bit. Um, this is just going to be the gossip episode where I just tell you all about like all my family's dirty laundry. <laughs> So my sister, my half sister, I've got, you know, several siblings and my half sister is like 20 years older than me. And she kind of, you know, got a little weird there and got a little hostile towards the rest of the family. And essentially the family owns a own sort of in common, this little plot of land in Mountainburg, Arkansas that has, it's just forest. Mm-hmm. There's it's pretty useless. You know, it's not even really flat enough to build on. Like you would really have to go in and, you know, clear it out and bulldozer it to make it a decent place for a house or anything. And so she was not she, like, she is not an owner due to like some weird, some complications. Like she sold her part or something like that. But anyway, later on, like several years ago, she went and hired a forestry company <laughs> to cut down all the trees on the land <laughs> and sell them. Like log to, it, yeah, to log it <laughs> and um, give her the money, the proceeds. But
1: which is a know, pretty it's
0: shitty it's thing to do. Industrious, right? <laughs> yeah. It's taking so anyway, initiative. So we, <laughs> So of course we had to sue her, just because I don't know, just kind of out of principle. It was such a paltry sum of money, but um, it was kind of ended up being the principle of the thing. But yes, there's so lots you, of laws about like cutting down other people's trees. Like this yeah. is something people have really <laughs> dealt with in the past.
1: Well, you know, like if you're going to go into law, like tree law seems like a pretty good, a pretty good way to go.
0: Like very stable. Yeah. It seems kind like, relax, you know,
1: there'll probably be trees in the future. <laughs> have y'all uh back to the pacific northwest have you seen the pictures of the trees like back before the whole like the pacific northwest was logged like back in the day yeah. like it's amazing you like pictures of like entire logging crews like sitting on the stumps of these trees that are like you know like i don't know like was, 20 people or something
2: yeah i was just reading actually uh the book the boys in the boat it's the story of the US Olympic team rowing team in 1936. And they were from the Seattle area. They were the University of Washington crew. So there's a lot of like Seattle area history mixed in with this book. And they followed the uh, one of the one of the members of the crew. His name was Joe. And it's all basically his life story. And he lived out in Squim for a while. And he uh, had this is during the Depression era. And so he had zero money. And he learned, like from a friend, like how to do various things that were handy enough to that someone be able want to pay for. And one mm-hmm. of the things that was interesting is they would go behind the logging crews who were chopping down these huge cedars and taking taking what, what to them was useful, like because cedar shingles was a was a thing. So they would take like the core, the straightest part of the tree, and just leave the rest. Joe and his friend would go behind them and like, you know, get the rest of the tree that was left yeah. there on the ground and then, you know, carve it up and sell their own shingles. That's pretty, uh, pretty clever. Nice. It's pretty cool. It's a great book though. You check it out. It's so well written that like by the end, when they're talking about the Olympics and, you know, talking about the race, like there's so much drama. Like you're, I was like really engaged, like how's this going to go? Even though, you know, I already knew the end, right? Yeah. But
1: so, yeah, it was really cool. Well, get your affiliate link for the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Right, right. This is this is how we're monetizing the podcast.
0: That's gonna pay for the second. We're just gonna second mortgage, second house. No, second mortgage is not as a second house. That's a very different thing.
1: Well,
2: I I you know have anticipated further problems with my tree situation because my lot has a few more. Old trees, legacy trees that are going to need to go at some point. And so, what I've done to kind of uh, avoid any future problems is I've planted more trees on my lot, so that by the time I'm ready to cut down uh, the ones that I need to cut down, I have some replacement trees ready oh, to go. Well, there yeah. you go.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's just all trees. There's not, there's no place to walk. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened this week? Did you, I didn't I didn't do anything this? I did stuff this week, but I look back on it and it's like I didn't get anything done this week. I realized yesterday, Thursday, that I have sort of ended up with a schedule where I've got Zoom meetings every day and they just, and, and I realized also, because I've never had a schedule like this. I've never done so many like fricking like calls in my life. I can basically, I get to choose in the morning. I get to choose what I do. I can be like, get on calls, social star, or I can be, don't talk to me. I'm looking at my computer star and I can't, like, I can't, I can choose one of those per day to be. And so if I take a call, I sort of fall into the social thing. And then it's just really hard for me to do any work. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's just really hard for me to get in the mindset, the
2: frame of mind. So it sounds like you did a lot of work this week. It was just all yeah. talking work.
0: I did a lot of calls. That's for sure. But yeah, we're getting some PHP authors. So that's, that's exciting.
2: Awesome. Cool. And, you know,
1: Josh, this week, he got us some PHP developers. Yeah, I've been sending email this week. <laughs> not something I normally do, but yeah, we're, we're, uh, building out our little, uh, contract developer team. And I think we got, I think we got a few people interested and excited about that.
2: So the star is making calls. Josh is sending emails. I was doing a lot of backfilling. Yeah. <laughs> I've had, I've had backfilling scripts running all week and uh, we are now ready to cut over for dynamo. And by oh, wow. Monday, we are ready to cut over for Elasticsearch. That's amazing. That's, so, I think I'm going to roll the dice and I'm going to cut over both at the same time on Monday. I could see both of you cringing a... as I
1: said that.
0: <laughs> I was, why not? Why not? It's
1: funny. I mean, I was did talking. I tell you, Ben, I'm going to be on vacation Monday?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was, so we were having dinner last night and I was, you know, telling my family about the day and, and I was mentioning about this cutover thing. And I said, yeah, you know, I've got the code ready and I was ready to cut over Dynamo, but, there's a little bit of code that really depends on the the new Elasticsearch, And I was like, well, I could take that out and just deploy the stuff, the dynamo stuff now. It's like, but I think I'm just going to deploy it all at once and and wait. And and my, my son is like, that sounds like a bad idea. (laughs) And I'm like, smart smart kid.
1: (laughs) I I just had the picture of, of uh, Ben's like, like, dinner table, by the way, like with a white, like a giant whiteboard next to it. So he can like get up and like, like diagram all his stuff out. Like <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty technical, uh, dinner, <laughs> dinner talk, Ben. <laughs>
2: I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing myself as that conspiracy guy with the strings
1: on yeah. the pictures and stuff. <laughs> there you go. It's like, yeah. Dad's you getting the whiteboard again. <laughs>
0: You want to know the first thing that went through my mind when you said that, and it's it, this requires a little bit of setup, so bear with me. But so last week I was making jokes about buying like call options on GameStop, and I didn't do that because I learned that. So, a little tip for the readers or the listeners: when they list the price of a option on the internet, that's per share. That's not for the whole contract of a hundred shares. So yeah. So I was like, this is going to be a hundred times more expensive than I thought it was. So no forget that. But I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I'll read a book about options and learn about them. And so the, like the second you said that I was just like, gotta buy, gotta buy a put option. <laughs> gotta buy a put option against this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, uh, it makes no everything.
0: sense. <laughs> yeah. It's just,
2: um, it's just going to be like Wolf of Wall Street in here all day long. You know, that makes me think we should launch a new product. It should be markets that where you can bet on your your internal ops team's performance, right? If you know a bigger piece oh. is coming up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just... That would be great for morale. <laughs> <laughs> people <laughs> would love that. Yeah. You can also like um we could incorporate it into Honey Badger, like like people could bet on who caused an error. There you go. Hey, I like that. <laughs> there you go.
1: Or you maybe uh, feel like you'd be bet on your competitors.
2: But backfilling wasn't the only thing I did this week. Uh, I also had some bad news. The bad news is that the approach that I took for the Heroku provisioning portion of Hook Relay is not what they would like to see, they being Heroku. So I might have to redo that. So that's there was, too bad. Oh, that's a shame. There was some documentation that I missed. And they came back and they're like, no, we really don't want to improve you because you're not doing this this way. And I'm mm. like, what? what are you talking about? They're like, see this documentation? <laughs> it's like, oh man, I did not see that documentation.
1: Oh, and there was it, there was documentation?
2: Well, well, it's very well hidden, you know, in my oh, defense. Okay. Yeah, it's like a, you know, a subparagraph of a subsection, of, you know, hidden under a filing cabinet with a lion in front of it saying, yeah. And then also discover that I thought we had had enough alpha testers test, but in fact we have not had enough alpha testers test Mm -hmm. because the requirement is you have to have ten alpha customers who have provisioned the add-on, and uh, we have not reached ten yet. I've invited more than ten, but uh, I guess I didn't keep close enough track as who's actually using the thing, and Uh, so yeah, we've got some work to do there. I guess Heroku would kind of a bummer. Yeah, Roku would know that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, good on them that uh, I asked them to like double check because I thought they were saying, well, you only have X number provisioned. And I'm like, well, maybe someone provisioned and then like deprovisioned, right? So, so I was like, could you check your logs? And they came back and they're like, uh, yeah, we we checked the logs. We, we know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, darn. So yeah, I'm going to have to do some work there, I think. Or maybe hire a contractor to do that work for me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: There you go. This all seems a little bit more, a little bit more rigid than when we started with Heroku. It feels like when we started with Heroku, yeah, they we're the, like, sure, just like slap the Heroku like yeah,
1: tw- yeah like I'm menu bar on top of your app. It's done. <laughs> I'm positive that like, we did not. Yeah. We were we did yeah. not know what we're doing like as much as we know now. So we probably made many more <laughs> yeah. mistakes.
2: Yes. During this process I thought, well, I sure hope they don't decide to go look at the honey badger add-on because <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> hopefully we're grandfathered
1: into the old ways of doing things. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what happened? Why is it why has it gotten harder to, yeah. to start but a business, know, start a SaaS?
2: They have good reasons. You know. They're a bigger company now. I mean they yeah. you know got bought by Salesforce what, ten years ago now? And they have to They've, they've gone into, and since we've launched, I think since we've launched Honey Badger, they've gone more into supporting bigger enterprises. And so they have, you know, uh, a better story to tell like around compliance and private spaces and things like that. So they're pretty touchy when it comes to like uh, security issues and making sure that you're yeah. all on the up and up and, you know, for a new add on, well, for a company like Honey Badger, like who is used to doing that kind of stuff now that we've gone through the compliance thing, like that's, not so surprising, but you know, if, if like hook relay was the first, you know, our first go round and like, I had built this and I got that kind of feedback, I'd be like, Whoa, that's, that's hardcore. Right. And so yeah, it's getting, it's getting harder, but I think that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Like there's so many, so many bad actors out there who are willing to take advantage of you that got to be defensive. So you're saying that when we were
0: initially proof, they didn't quite know what they were doing. <laughs> I don't. And since, no, since then, I, they've like learned a lot more about what they're doing.
1: <laughs> it was it was just the wild west back then, and
0: it was a
2: kinder, gentler internet.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I miss it. I miss the kinder, gentler, gentler internet before all the terrible. I mean, before, before, the, before the internet I, was I ruined. Had look at all the
2: terribleness, <laughs> terribleness. Yeah, but it was a good week. It's a good week. I'm 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 excited to have that that backfilling stuff done and get the cut over done and. Well, I, I might.
1: Everything. I might get to. Uh, I might still get to some react native stuff this afternoon. Hey, that's, that is like my stretch goal. Cause that'd be awesome. That like this stuff just keeps getting pushed back and back by this. Like I'll just like, I, I think sometimes I forget like how much work we actually have just like sitting across all these different repositories and things that I maintain. And like the effect that that has on me as like, just hanging over my head constantly. And so like this week I've been trying to like, go through everything and like find someone to like handle, you know, someone to basically assign to cover all of that stuff. But then in the process, like I'm getting, you know, like I'm getting distracted by it again. And, uh, and then of course we have like issues coming in, like new things popping up constantly. So we had a few of those. And then we've got like, you know, the inevitable support requests that come in, like, you know, we've got some source map issues and debugging, you know, so like little debugging projects popping up here and there by the end of the week, I realized like, I've pretty much just like spent the whole week doing like support and pretty much like writing and documentation is like what I spend, I think most of my time doing, but sometimes it just feels like you didn't get anything done, but I know I worked a lot. So hopefully all that documentation pays off laying that foundation. Yeah. Yeah, But yeah, I'm excited to uh, like, I I would really love to, because that was my goal. Like for this week was like on Monday, I was going to start on testing out this react native integration that we're trying to roll out. (laughs) It's like Friday and I haven't, you know, (laughs) haven't even looked at it yet.
0: Yeah, it's all right. My, my goal this week was like, I'm just going to like I've got about 20 blog posts like I need to write descriptions for. And I was like, I'm just going to sit down and do it this week. And I haven't done a single one because I just so much stuff has come up in the meantime.
1: Yeah. I will say that I, I did really, I think I did really well this week, resisting the urge to actually dive in on work that would like distract me for, you know, if I kept doing it, it would distract me for months probably. So like my goal is to really finally get like, serious about delegation. And, um, so instead of actually like when, when something like when I see an issue that's like nagging at me and I'm like, Oh, like I could jump in and fix that. And that's my instinct. Like this week, instead of like, actually like just diving in and, you know, kind of seeing if it was a quick fix or something, I'm just like documenting the process of what I would do to like address that issue. And then just putting in an issue for someone else, hopefully soon to take on. So basically like spending that time, just like, documenting the problem, which will make it easy to well, easier to pass off to someone.
0: Yeah. You spent a lot of time writing a, a document about sort of how this contracting system will work, like how we're gonna manage contractors going forward. And like we had that call on Monday and that was really interesting. Like that was I, I felt like you had a really solid you need to come up with a really solid sort of foundation for building this uh, this contracting system on top of.
1: I, I for, it's funny I forgot like as I've as I've been like fleshing that out I forgot like how much like I'd actually started on this like a couple years ago and so like half of this was already kind of completed somewhere or you know like in in process so yeah it's like it's I think that's kind of helped like I, I had been like building this out and just never like brought it completely into reality so I'm hoping that this time it'll actually like We'll be able to make it work and it seems like yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about it.
0: You shouldn't have told me that because I was impressed. I was I was just Well,
1: like, I mean it's like it's still impressive start. This
0: whole like document. Like
1: I, it's it's pretty great.
0: Yeah. It is pretty great. It is yeah. great. Time is an illusion. So it doesn't really like the past doesn't exist. So you've you've brought forth this little thing, this document. Well, I'm just gonna start <laughs> talking in, in woo-woo like hippie words from now on. It's gonna be my thing.
1: The document exists now, but that's, I mean, honestly, that's, I think that's probably still the easy part. Like the, the hard part is like creating some sort of cohesive, like community around the people that like participate in this ultimately and keeping people engaged because like the, like our problem has always been like, we don't always have, like, we have a lot of like ongoing, like long-term work that we like to have, would like to like engage people with, but for contractors, like it's, you know, you get a big job and you tend to move on and it's hard to keep people, you know, around long enough to like, you know, a lot of times people like, you know, just kind of get distracted or wander off. And I'm we're trying to like create some sort of like, you know, some sort of like team, like a t- I want like a team dynamic that we can um, kind of like, you know, rally around or something. So like, I want an active Slack channel where we can hang out and Actually oh, work together. So
0: one thing I'm I'm curious about, like, and I imagine that as as you move forward in this, you're gonna try lots of different things and we'll see what works. I'm kind of curious about like whether or not it'll be any easier or harder to get people on to get people to do jobs that are very sort of finite and well defined and concrete, right? So like I'm curious, like, you know, because one one model of working with a contractor is to be like, okay, so we're gonna Pay you however many dollars an hour. Um, here's a list of things. Go to town on them. Another mm-hmm. way of doing it is be like, okay, you can do this one thing for us, and we'll pay you X dollars or you know X hours at your hourly rate. So I'm curious, like if that if those will get different responses in terms of interest. Yeah, because like that's gonna be like if I was working a full time job, you know, which I'm currently not.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I am
0: kind of. <laughs> But no, no, no. If I was like, if I was looking for extra work on top of my, my normal job, like I wouldn't want to do like a hourly thing where I'm, you know, supposed to go in and pick up t- t- tickets really. But I might be like, okay, I've got like five hours. I can do this one project. Yeah. So I don't know. It'd, it'd just be interesting to see.
1: Yeah. How that works Like out. the open source metaphor and it, I mean, it works here, especially because a lot of this, these projects are open source um, for the most part. But I, I think like, eventually, like if we have a group of contractors, we're going to be able to like utilize them for the whole, across the whole company. Like we could have, you know, we could work on our rails app and do other things eventually, but treating it kind of like an open source project with like those well defined, like finite issues and things like, I don't know, like, it seems like people do, like you said, like people do, who are um, like even employed full time, like do still sometimes find time to contribute to like an open source project or, you know like knock out an issue that they ran into you know on a during their day job or something so it seems like that could translate and i mean like you get paid for it with us which is always a nice a nice uh plus so the thing that i worked on this week that i'm i think is important that i had not created before is like coming up with like how how we're going to actually like handle the project management side of this whole thing, because like, we don't do project management really. (laughs) And I like, I, I kind of want to keep it that way. Like I want to, I want to create an environment where like, everyone is like individually responsible for the work that they sign up for. So like, you know, if you take on a job or take on an issue, for instance, like, like, you know, if you're submitting a pull request or something to a open source project, like you're going to be in charge of figuring it out and submitting it. And you don't have like a manager who's like trying to keep you on track for that necessarily. I'm trying to figure out how to like have it be up to, you know, everyone like feels responsible for the work they're taking on while at the same time creating an environment where it's all about like helping each other move forward. Um, So it's not necessarily that like, oh, well, it's just, it's all on your shoulders and you just have to deliver, but it's like, you're responsible for the ultimate success of this thing happening. Which that, that means that it's like, it's your responsibility to ask for help if you're stuck. And once you ask for help, like you have, you know, more help than you could ever need, basically.
0: Yeah, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about one aspect of the, the blog contracting that I don't know, it, it, it might play a role in this whole building of a, a team and fostering that community. And it's just might be something that needs to be accounted for. But at least for me, like I find that that most of the people I talk to about doing blog posts and who are like, "Yeah, I'll do a blog post," never write a blog post. Yeah, I'm not blaming them. Right? Like, life happens. Maybe they got in touch thinking that we want some little 500 word like BS like search engine optimization piece, and we're like, "No, you need to do like a textbook chapter." And they're just like, "Okay." forget that. And they just on me. But like one thing I've tried to do is I've tried to foster this sense of, I don't care. Like I personally don't care if you yeah. take a month to get back to me or two months or whatever, you know, people come, like you can come, you can go. I'm not going to get mad at you if you take three months to write an article. And I may have to like, like, I may have to do certain things um, to keep my, my project going. Right. I mean, yeah. like flag your your article as stale or something and put it in a different category so it's not clogging up the system. Um, But that's not personal. And just come back and you can finish the article if you want. Sure.
1: Yeah. I I like that
0: a lot. So it's like, it's less of a um, dynamic where, it's less of like a startup dynamic where it's like, okay, there's five of us and we're all just living and breathing this stuff and we're all like up each other's butts all the time. (sighs) Yeah. And it's more of a, like, here's a here's a nice little coffee shop. You can come and hang out for a little while if you want, and then you can leave and we'll see you next month.
1: And you also yeah, get so, paid to be there.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, We could buy a literal coffee shop for people to work in. Wouldn't that be great? That would be. Once we can actually sit in a
2: coffee shop again. Well, that'll think, yeah, be nice. I, feel,
0: I mean, <laughs> the coffee shops are really cheap right now.
2: Supplier's <laughs> yeah. market. I gotta say that, you know, having the opportunity to do a lot of I'll buy you a coffee type meetings via Zoom rather than actually going somewhere to a coffee shop. Love it. And I really appreciate, thank you COVID, you know, for that particular (laughs) thing. I do appreciate that. Removing
1: that constraint.
2: I mean, coffee shops are cool. I got nothing against them, but you know, just to go and chat with someone for 15 minutes, you got to drive across town and blah, blah, blah. I'm happy doing that via Zoom. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One thing that that occurred to me is that like we've talked about like hiring a salesperson. And, you know, in my mind, like these sort of high powered enterprise software salespeople are always like on, on flights going out to people and stuff. And I wonder since, um, you know, pandemic happened, like, I'm sure that'll come back to some degree, but I'm, I also have a feeling like people will be much more open to doing things via zoom. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it may be possible to have somebody who just kind of stays in the office and and does those things. And that's going to be much more acceptable.
2: Yeah, I was actually reading this week a book called Founding Sales, and it's about how to go from being a founder to being the salesperson. And so it's like exactly for people like me, who needs to figure out the sales stuff. And I'm just, I'm early in the book, but so far it's good. But one of the, just kind of a throwaway comment in there was talking about, you know, getting outside of the building, going and visiting your customers. And you know you hear about this advice plenty of places, but uh, just just something about it kind of struck me as funny. It's like, oh yes, this was this was written pre-pandemic. Cause he's talking about, you know, going and visiting someone in their office, you know, and gotta have yeah. that FaceTime. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Those are the that's, days. That's
1: that's how to not get sales. <laughs> well, now. I've got
0: FaceTime. <laughs> I've got FaceTime. We can do that.
2: <laughs> but uh yeah, so yeah, I started on on that this week. So I'm reading that book and uh, I that's... have an idea actually. So i I've, I've also been chatting with a couple of mentors and just really smart folk. Uh, about our our current situation and wanting to get into the sales game and had some good some really good conversations about like why do you want to do that and and what are you thinking and stuff so it's been helpful and one of the ideas that kind of fell out of the, those conversations was and 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 I don't know if this is actually going to work or if I'm actually going to do this but it's just a thought what if I went through our existing customers and looked at those customers that are parts of you know larger organizations and I go to them and say, hey, you are using Honey Badger. You love using Honey Badger. You probably have some other teams at your company that aren't using Honey Badger. How about you introduce me to them or you know find some way to get more Honey Badger into your business. So it's a good idea. You know, the whole oh, the land and expand oh, yeah. thing. This is not this is not like a new strategy, but I'm just thinking maybe for us that's a good entryway as opposed to like just dialing for dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah just going with relationships we already have people already like us and finding ways to get them to help us, you know, expand in their orgs.
0: That's really cool. Like I had, um, I had sort of assumed we would contact, you know, some existing customers, but I sort of assumed that that would be like a trying to upsell them thing. But like, I forget that, you know, big companies have lots of teams inside of them. So you could sell honey badger to like 50 teams inside of a company.
1: Yeah. Is that so, a situation where the the other teams would would like purchase a new account, or would it be under the same account of the company? But then it would just result in more usage.
2: I think both of those scenarios could, could happen easily. Yeah. So I'm gonna be doing some queries next week and pulling out some of our good customers. We uh, this pro tip to people who are SaaS operators. What we do in our in our uh, help desk system is when we have people give us kudos. We flag that uh, particular response with a testimonial tag. And so we can easily go back to people who we know, love us, and have great experiences with us because we can just filter on that tag. And so I think I'll be uh, running some queries this week and cross-referencing our testimonial people and finding out some good uh, potentials to talk to, sending us some true. emails. So one of the early points in this book was this idea that you kind of have to change your mindset because he's, so again, he's, he's writing to people who are like, you know, engineers or product people, or, you know, maybe marketing people, but, but generally people who have not done sales before. And uh, so the first part of the book is like changing your mindset. Like one of his points was, you know, you're kind of used to thinking things through, uh, you know, and planning things out and, being very deliberate about the stuff. And he's like, really sales is is different. Like sales is like, you just need to be talking to people. You just need to have activity. You just need to be making things happen. Like you don't need oh, to- Oh, s- wheeling and dealing. Well, not, not ex- well, yes, but also like- You like, gotta be on the phone. You gotta be- Yeah, one of those- You spec- gotta be snapping your fingers a lot. Exactly. One of the specific points was like, you know, instead of spending like 10 minutes uh reviewing the email to make sure that it sounds perfect, like just send it, right? And move on to the next- want oh, email, right? Oh, that explains
0: a lot of the sales yeah. emails I've received. Yeah, <laughs> yes,
2: it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very little proofreading going on.
0: <laughs> That's probably why, like, Just... it, yeah, <laughs> I seriously sometimes like I look up and it's like I've spent an hour editing this like one paragraph email yeah, Something somebody I don't
2: really care about. <laughs> it's like, why did I do that? I don't know. So there, there's your sales tip for the day. Maybe I have to make this. Theme. A regular feature of the of the Founder Quest podcast. will come up with a sales tip of the a week. A sales tip. That's cool. I love <laughs> yeah. it when you
0: often you talk to people who like know what they're doing, and then you come back and tell us like what they say. I'm I'm pretty bad at that, so <laughs>
1: yeah, it's
0: uh, we should do more. Like of I feel that. like you enjoy that a lot more than I do. So, <laughs> but I always really enjoy hearing what comes comes like out of
2: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
0: yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, cool. I'm all, you know, I'm all up for becoming like a hardcore, a hard driven like sales or organization, right? Like coffee is for closers. Greed is good. Slap just um, just top of that thing. You can fit so many errors in this. Yeah, you can fit so many errors in there. <laughs> it's like, do you know how many, how many um, errors you can fit into the trunk of a Mercedes? <laughs> I don't know either, but it's a lot more than like a Honda.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Bye now. Supplies are limited. Only have so many bits.
0: So you've been listening to FounderQuest, and go give us a review at Apple Podcasts or whatever they call it now. And yeah, if you want to write for us, go to our blog, look for the write for us page. I'm kind of drowning in new authors right now, so it I, I may not be able to get to for a while, but you know, contact us. And until next week, we are the FounderQuest people. I guess.
2: Beavis and Butthead <laughs> shall return.
1: Oh no, oh no. He he did it. Founder Quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360 degree coverage of errors, outages and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.